Yeah. Don't forget to hit record. I love it's you. It's recording but... right now. Perfect. We're in. We're I in. Just, I just, it's a, de- it's a default thing. I just try to, I, when please. I, every time I think to remember, I try to tell you. <laughs> no, please do. I'm glad you remembered because um, the episode that we recorded where we didn't record at all, that I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. So, so let's 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 not let's do not that. do that. Let's not do that again. Welcome back to our show. This is Infinite Pole presents. It's course rough and everywhere. Star Wars, <laughs> a sand story. We're so glad you could be here. Double feature today. Let's do it. I'm here with my friend Max. I am also here. I continue to be here. We continue to be friends. It's all very exciting. Yeah, it's going to be really sad for the podcast when we um, decide not to be friends anymore. Yeah, but the podcast must continue, right? I mean, Infinity never stops. So, like, it will be awkward for everybody. But I I don't think we'll have any choice but to continue, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think um, we're stuck for life. And so even if we only release one episode a year, it's, <laughs> it's going to be – you know, if we're going to release one episode a year, I think we should release an episode where we read the story for fi- people at Christmas like we do every year for Christmas Eve. I'm making that a tradition, by the way. Uh, Next Christmas it. Eve, we're reading something different. And I'm going to be very excited that we're talking about Star Wars today and we're not talking about How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Do you know what we just watched? We just watched a Star Wars movie. That's what that was? Yeah. Yeah. There's we, a lot of we things watched, that I didn't understand. The Force. We watched a Star War. Somebody was talking about Ben. I don't really know who that is. Some One person was talking about Ben incessantly. Oh, my gosh. This person clearly has, like, attachment issues or something. Dude, he had visions of this person. Like, come on. Like, how? <laughs> like, ah. Uh. Jeez. Anyways, let's get into an Empire Strikes Back. That's right. This is it. I love this movie so much. Um, it's a Max, lot of fun. I forgot how, how much you, fun it is. How are you doing before we get into this? Just let everybody know how's your week's been and uh, if uh, you're doing all right. I'm making it. I think the the sort of wear and tear of, of COVID is starting to sort of really settle in with me in terms of like missing the people I miss. And like it's getting to that point where it's just like this sort of like sadness is kind of just settling over me. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm having to make much uh, a much sort of greater effort to be intentional about pursuing my happiness and showing up for people and like, you know, doing things um, that I like to do uh, that I wouldn't that I wouldn't normally do, like texting people when I think of them. Right. Or calling yeah. them immediately, just like trying to be more consistent about following those impulses so that I, I I feel as connected to people as I can during these times. Um, but other than that, I'm good. I mean, the movie amped me up, and yeah, I just haven't gotten good sleep this week, so I'm kind of like space yeah. cadetty, and and we'll That's be great. for this conversation. So That's the best conversations to have. I'm a little space cadetty right now, but not because we haven't had much sleep, though that is always true. I never get very much sleep. So How much sleep do you get a night, would you say, on average? On average, um, four hours. That is, yeah, that's bad, man. That's not enough. It, it's not necessarily because, um, like, I'll get four good hours of sleep, and then I'll get, like, two or three hours on top of that that aren't good, mm. you know, because I'll wake up in the middle of the night. I'll wake mm. up early. I'll, like, yeah, it just, it's just a thing, man. Like, insomnia has been real for me almost my whole life, so it's yeah. a... Uh, it's a it's a process. There was about a year of my life in Orlando where I got sleep Every single night, slept like a rock. Didn't matter how much I got. Two hours, six hours, ten hours. I always felt so good after that. But that was just like mm-hmm. I was riding a high that whole year, you know. So I think yeah. that's um, 
that had something to do with it. Anyways, oh, this is not the notes I want. These are not the Uh-oh. notes I'm looking for. <laughs> These are the notes that I'm looking for. Um, things are good, though. Honestly, I, my job is going well, and I have, in less than a month, I'll have a year anniversary with my partner, so that'll be cool. That's super exciting. Do y'all have any fun plans for that? We're just discussing that right now. She was like, it's on a Monday, and I work on Monday. I was like, I work on Monday, too. What a surprise. Um, so obviously you celebrate s- either the weekend before or the weekend yeah, after. Yeah, so we're doing the weekend before and then something small on that on that day. So she may take Beautiful. like a half day. Maybe I'll take a half day, too. Beautiful. Um, and see how that's going. But yeah, things are mostly going well for everything. And um, I like legitimately have somebody who is um, – this sounds way more serious than it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Javier finally purchased a laptop and microphone so we can start the video game podcast. Oh, that's really exciting. So Congratulations. it's really exciting. Yeah, so we're going to start that. I actually don't know when it's going to start. I'm not putting out any more like this is when things are going to be released and this is when it's going to happen. Just because, to be honest with you, I haven't been good with that. until. So like, I don't want to promise anybody something that's not going to happen anymore. So I, instead of just doing it, I'm just not promising it. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been really enjoying just like working on trying to figure out what that podcast is going to be like and like what's going to happen and how it's going to be structured. So it's a little bit different than this one. Cause this one we can just like really just have a conversation the whole time. Mm-hmm. I have to do a little bit of work to like think about topics and like try to move conversations forward. But you know that I'm going to be like the host, you know, and like mm-hmm. come up with all the news topics we're talking about and the structure and everything. So it's just a little more work, um, but it's fun. I'm excited. Good. I think, I think doing that podcast will probably make ours better. <laughs> so, Oh, definitely. Um, so I think just more practice and get talking into the mic, the better we're going to be. So I'm excited about it, though. It's, it's good. things are going good. And I don't know if there's not a lot else. Let's get into Star Wars, man. It's been it's too late to not to not jump into this right away. <laughs> it's so good. It's this, so good. I can't believe good. how good it is. It is. So let's let's. OK, so we did this at the beginning of our last episode, I believe. Um, I can't remember if it was the beginning or the end, but where does Empire Strikes Back rank on your list and i will be happy to go first if you want me to go first while you're thinking about it and looking at it no it just jumped to number one i mean i like it better than a new hope i think it's i love a new hope for so many reasons but like no no wait hold on a second this isn't infinite pulps list this is personal your personal list okay good 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 yes okay continue no so it for me it's um it's really special because like what was wild to me about this viewing? Cause I haven't seen this movie in, in maybe 15 years. Like it's been a long time. Right. And I lost track of time in a way that I never do when watching movies anymore. There was a point near the end where you were like, we've only got 10 minutes left. And I was like, well, what? And I looked at the, the like progress bar and it, we'd been watching for like an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. That yeah. does not happen. I yeah. don't, know how that happened and i am just blown away that there it are, did i am i am shocked and delighted yeah yeah i i i i'm gonna echo everything you just said and say there are movies that exist that like make you like you just said you don't realize the time you just get so sucked in you're enjoying it so much that you don't want it to stop and you're like so want to see what happens afterwards and want to see what happens before the dark knight is like one of those for me too where like the first time i watched it it was like it's been three hours i could watch another four hours of this like let's go yep. right now like i'm ready yep. 
And yep. that's how I feel after Empire Strikes Back every single time. Honestly, I was watching. I'm like, Max, I want to put on I want to put on Return of the Jedi after this and just watch it with you. <laughs> I don't want to do our podcast. I just, just immediately want to keep on watching Return of the Jedi and, and do more commentary on this. I honestly just, think from now on we should follow that impulse. I think if we have that impulse, we should. And we can just get to yeah. the get to the thoughts afterwards. Because yeah. I definitely have a lot of thoughts right now. But that that excitement is contagious. And it's hard to reproduce. So if that ever... Yeah comes up again we should definitely follow that okay cool cool so when we watch rogue one and i'm like max we got to watch a new hope we're just gonna have to redo <laughs> that whole thing um no i i yeah I, I agree i think we'll we'll definitely follow that and i i i'm interested to see how this one's gonna go because last week's episode we recorded them on separate days but now we're doing a back-to-back for this one so we're gonna see if this works for y'all because uh, if it does great then it saves us some time Oh, yes. Um, which is really nice for us. And Anyways. it's also cool because, I mean, all these ideas and, like, impressions are fresh in our brains, right? So we get yes. to, like, have this conversation and, like, really process what's going down. And it's, you know, it's all good Yeah, things. I agree. I, I think I think there's, to me, more to discuss with Empire Strikes Back. And then at the same time, there's less to discuss. And that's because we're not, like, talking about, like, these characters as a beginning and, like, defining them. It's just, like, what are they now? Where have right. they gone to? And there, honestly, is a lot less. We are watching... If you know, if you haven't listened to the commentary yet. Okay, so here's the thing about that. We did record the commentary, but for some reason it didn't record Max's track and we didn't really have time to re-record it. So we actually don't have a commentary for you this week. And I apologize for that. Maybe we'll try to get up to you at some point in a future bonus episode. Um, I'm sure we will. But at this point, we don't have one um, this week, just the review. And so that's that's a lie. I just lied there. So we'll, we'll try to do something fun because I don't, we don't like lying on the podcast. But enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. There is a lot less... Um extraneous things in Empire Strikes Back than there was in A New Hope. If that's like there is there's a lot more fluff in, M- in A New Hope than there is here. Like Empire, every single thing matters. And to me, like all the beats of the movie are there for a purpose. A New Hope mm-hmm. is the same. But I guess what I'm saying is A New Hope had a lot of um, it wasn't polished. Empire Strikes Back feels polished to me in a way that A New Hope doesn't. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that elevates it. And a lot of that, I think, happens when you remove uh, Lucas from the director's chair. Yeah. I think making him a story consultant and an executive producer and then not doing the day-to-day acting and the emotions of the characters and not relying on your actors to produce your emotions, but actually – I mean they have to do that. But, you know, like actually directing, you know, instead of just what mm-hmm. Lucas is very well known to like be a very laid-back kind of hands-off director. Yeah. Um, and so I think that shows here. And I think that's probably why Empire Strikes Back is my number one favorite Star Wars movie. It has been for about the last like five, ten, maybe ten years, I think. Wow. Um, the last time I watched this, we'll have a little juxtaposition between Max. I watched this before we decided to do this whole thing. Um, I think maybe like a month ago, I think was the last time I saw Empire. I, I saw the beginning of Empire like a week ago because I was going to sleep and I just wanted to put something on. Um mm-hmm. But I probably watch Empire Strikes Back at least at least once a year and probably multiple times a year. I, I, I probably watch this movie maybe more than any other Star Wars. I, mean, I do. I watch this more than any other Star Wars movie. Like this is. Yeah. This is, has my understandably. favorite. It's just to me, it's just so, so good. Like yeah. all the beats are perfect to me. All the pacing is really well. 
you get to see Luke like really start to understand what it means to be a Jedi and like how he's going to have to change to do this and not just be him. Like he's going mm-hmm. to have to go through stuff. Let's get into it, though. Let's start at the beginning. We find these folks on Hoth. They're hiding from the Empire. We get that beautiful, beautiful crawl, catching us up on what's happened in the last three years. Um, like I, first things. And you know this about me, and maybe you guys have figured this out through the podcast. I love snow and everything that has snow in it. You put a snow in video game, I'm in. You put, I bought that, like, what's that game? Planet. Oh, it was oh, a third yeah. person Factorio, shooter. That factorial like thing, right? It's like the. Yes. Yeah, I know, what you, I know I, exactly what you mean. I bought that just because it was a game set in snow. That's yeah. the only reason I, I purchased that. So just immediately starting with Hoth and snow is so good, and they're on the run to the Empire, and, and they're going so many different ways and really the best part about this and i think this scene does a lot of this this is the first act right the first act is them being on hoth and getting away from the empire and i think what this does is it really the beautiful parts about this is it shows han and and or han han and leia's relationship like has progressed and you get to see it but you totally understand where it's at like yeah. immediately and they do a really good job with the dialogue just going in and saying oh this is what han is like this is what like they clearly have have gone forward in the relationship but you wouldn't be like i, I don't know they just do such a good job of dropping you in there i, I yep. love it so much yep absolutely i totally agree and i think honestly you mentioned earlier that the first one felt a little rougher i like that i think it, it i think it played well into a lot of the situations and scenes that you had to deal with, right? Because it was new at the time, and so it felt, yeah, it felt it felt coarser, right? It felt it a little bit more um, new and and a little bit more amateur. But I think that was that all reinforced this sort of newness of the world and stuff in a way that I think worked really well. So I am I am delighted that we got to watch it, and I am delighted that it holds up so well, and. I have no qualms about the the shift in tone and the shift in cleanliness, too, because you spend so much time in this movie in the Empire's world, Mm -hmm. right? And in in Cloud City and in all that stuff that just feels so different. And I love that. I, I, you're going from outer rim planets and you're going closer and closer to like the Senate and, yep. you know, Coruscant and those areas where you saw the, the greediness and the grime of Tatooine is like, you know, the middle of the universe. We're on the planet furthest from, you know, yep. like yep. that's where they were at now. And now we're like, okay, they're part of the rebellion. They got to get in the fight. It's mm-hmm. not about them on the outskirts, like joining the fight. This is like, no, they're inside of it now. And mm-hmm. I, I do think it does do a really good job. Um, of of going through going through and explaining that at all and really the, the, the talk about earlier is um, you know what let's let's follow the format what we did last week well you want to go through all my questions first and then we'll start going yes. by uh, yes all these different things yes because I think that'll that'll lead okay I want to start with this because you talked about a new hope and you thought that Luke's hearing Ben was um, Luke hearing Ben and mm-hmm. not Luke but you think so what's the difference between him is it because do we think Ben has taken these last three years to be able to figure out how to be a force ghost? And like that, and like, because I think that Ben already was, had that ability. And he like the line that he says at the end of a new hope, where like, I will be, you know, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. Right. Mm-hmm. To me, that is him becoming 
like be able to live and still teach beyond his death. Like that's what that means to me. What do you think? For me, I, I get that. And I see the argument for that. And I don't see anything to conflict with that. Right. So I want to be very clear about that up front. What I do see is what for me, what I choose to see, because that's like, that's a bit too omnipotent for omniscient for a, a dude who's been holed out in the middle of nowhere in some backwoods star, right? Like for me, I think what really feels impactful about that is, is that it's, he's, he's, he sees Luke and which is why he chooses to kill himself, right? To let him, it's a guard down basically to let Vader destroy him. And then he, He, he he speaks to Luke at the end of the movie, and then you see him again in this one. I think I think that initial so for me, my understanding of it is that the initial moment, the initial conversation, the initial presence that was Obi-Wan in the first movie is very much just a guy doing the best he can, right? It's just like he's out of practice. He doesn't know a lot. He doesn't have a lot going on. And so it's really hard for me to believe that he wields a power on the level of like, I I, I, I can die and immediately start talking to you. Mm-hmm. And I have no precedent in the series so far that he's been speaking with anyone else. So it's really hard for me to get my hands around the idea that this is something that either he knows about or something that he would be able to plan for. Yes. We will get – we're going to wrap back around to this a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about him appearing in these moments too because I think Max talked on something about the – when he appeared to him on Hoth. Um, Let's table this discussion for three movies and we'll get back to it at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Okay. That works for me. There's, yeah, there's something that happens there that I think is affecting my opinion now. And so we'll get back to it then and kind of talk about it at okay. that point in time. I feel like that's all we're doing. There's so much of this series that like I feel like all we're doing is saying, this is a really interesting concept. Let's talk about it. Later. When we when we can. Later. Yeah. Just because there's just... The problem is with Max and I, I think like we have so much knowledge in our head about what exist in the world that it's hard not to piece the connections together but i'm really trying to take this movie like as it is and as it relates to a new hope you know Mm -hmm. and not as it relates to future future installments yeah and so so you mentioned something and so by the way it's been three years from a new hope into empire strikes back that's how long it's been so do we think it just you know i I can buy that it took ben that long to figure out how to become a force ghost you know Mm -hmm. um and and to kind of learn how to how to do that um but ben doesn't leave like luke really any instructions at all do you think his plan was always to come back and be a force ghost like is that what his plan was at the end of a new hope because how does Luke know how to become a Jedi if Obi-Wan doesn't know he's going to be coming back? Interesting. That's a good question, and I don't know the answer because I don't think it's been explored fully yet. I don't think we really have a lot of answers for what this means for anything. 
So yeah, and I, I can tell you just on on the little backside of things. So when um, George Lucas was writing this, he wrote Star Wars, and then he actually hired somebody else to write the other sequels just in case Star Wars did really well. He got those back, didn't like them at all, and he rewrote a lot of the stuff. But he had a lot of this like planned out from like middle of A New Hope to like a little bit after A New Hope was like filmed. And so I feel like there was some sort of connect because, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what does Ben expect Luke to do? Like, does he like when he dies, like that's his last hope of being a Jedi. That's why I think I, I would believe Ben can immediately start talking to Luke. It's the only way it makes sense because Ben has to be able to communicate to Luke to go to Dagobah like he does in the Empire. Yeah, that's true. That's true that that's an obvious – that feels like a very obvious part of his intent when they're talking is that he he needs to send him there and yeah. like that this was always a part of his plan. So I can I can buy that. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And I think, I think just even reflecting on the – that's that first scene where he appears physically in body form, you know, to in, in phantom form to Luke. Mm-hmm. I think it really does sort of outline that. Yes, this is very this is happening, you know. Yeah, I just like loved your comment there. You're like, what? You just Luke, you just couldn't do it on your own. So now I got to come back and tell you how to get there. You know, yeah. <laughs> when we were when we were watching it, it's yeah. just I never thought about it that way of like Luke's supposed to like just know how to get to Dagobah on his own. Yeah. Like now um, he's not smart enough to figure it out. Okay, I'll do the I'll do the thing, right? Yeah. I'll ha- I'll put myself out this way, and I think that's yeah. really um, a, a point that I hadn't considered before. Uh, it's just like the the layers that you see in this movie. I think really sort of swing me the other way on the previous movie. Yeah, in 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 ways that I hadn't considered. So I I will I will give it to you that this yes. definitely. Seems like it was his plan. <laughs> his plan, yeah. Yeah, I think it has to be. Do you – I want to touch more about his plan too. Like so it gets brought up in this film and we're going to be – we're not going to go chronological. We're going to be jumping around the film all the time. So we're <laughs> not going to do it. You know. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. It, 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 I think it's the only way that my mind is going to be able to discuss this. Okay. Um, it gets to the point though where like there's – okay, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit and let's talk about um, – Let's talk about let's let's talk more about Hoth because there's more there to be discussed and I yeah. don't want to move on to Dagobah. No, I love I love you. Hoth. Hoth is just so, yeah. so cool talk, and talk, fun. Cool. Yeah, I didn't, talk to I didn't me mean about to say that. Uh, Hoth <laughs> is awesome, and I love Hoth because it's just so different than anything we've seen so far. And the wind is like brutal in those scenes, and I yeah. really feel that these people are like on the struggle bus. That they mm-hmm. are like and 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 you. Even this concept, so this start out with this layer of fear because the Empire is pursuing them, right? You compound it by having droids show up on the planet on which they are hiding, right? So this is already hyper scary time, mm-hmm. right? And then you compound that with this notion that like this great character, this hero guy who you think is supposed to like save the day or whatever – Turns out to be somebody who can't even hold his own against the local flora or fauna. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just like Like, this. He just gets like, just like 
surprise punched in the back of the head and then he's hanging upside down in a cave and he gets himself out of it but it's this concept that like he was caught unawares he was caught off guard he's not everything we thought he was and i think that is a really humanizing thing to see because mm-hmm. it it really undercuts this chosen one narrative Right. And I think it's really compounds the level of anxiety that you have because, you know, you thought I didn't think he could, you know, get beaten. I didn't think anybody could beat Luke. And then this rando does. And it's like, well, maybe we don't have a chance. You know, maybe maybe this isn't all we thought it was cracked up to be. Yeah, that. And then, like, you compound that with the idea that Luke, as you were saying, just saved, you know, he he saved the galaxy. Like he did, like Mm -hmm. that's what he did by destroying that death star. And, and he fails and he has to be like, he has to have his friend come and save him, which I think goes back to your idea of just like, it's so great to see your hero fail right away. You know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of movies try to do that. And like, you see that in a lot of second films, right? A lot of second films try to copy what star Wars did. And you have that dark, like, you know, the antagonists are getting the edge in the second film. Mm-hmm. And this one does it so well, though, because it it takes your main protagonist and just kind of removes him from the entire film to fight. Right. Like the whole time, like Luke's just out there doing other things and he's he's not inside of it. He's not in the fight. So you have your your hero of the galaxy not participating or mm-hmm. participating in the way that he needs to to save the whole galaxy and not just his friends. Right. Um, which, which is beautiful. And I, I love that idea. And then you get the exact opposite of that when he starts getting on a speeder and just kind of takes care of like four or three ATATs by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's like, Oh, he can still do this stuff. Yeah. He's just not there yet. You right. Know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and understanding that it's just like a human mistake and reminding yeah. you that this, you know, for all his powers that he's learning to cultivate, this is just a kid, right? He's still very much the newbie on the block. And that's really, um, powerful for me. That was really, really powerful. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I loved Luke's little journey there. And I think the, the, the journey that Han goes on to and Chewie, I, I like this opening sequence so much because it's subtle, but you get to see so many different emotions from all these characters of like you wouldn't, you weren't getting a new hope. You see Chewie really worry for somebody other than Han. Like he's obviously created a relationship with Luke now, and yep. his cry at the end when the doors close mm-hmm. really show that relationship. Without, it's, and it's just the whole thing on Hoth. The whole Act One is setting up all of these pieces that are telling you these people had like a life and like Han clearly stuck around for the last three years. Like he's still, he never went to go pay off his debt. Right. So, you know, that showing him and then going out and risking his life to save Luke, you know, like what a difference between where you see Han and Tatooine versus where you're seeing him now. Like he's in it. He's Mm -hmm. in the fight. And I think part of that reason is because he's fallen head over heels for Leia. Yep. And he wants to be around. He can't remove himself for that. And I love their relationship yeah. just right off the bat. It's it just it feels like people who need to express feelings towards each other, but they're both bottling up so hard. All they do is just fight. And all they do is just because they're their their feelings are so like they're swelling up and they don't want them to be necessarily. I know it's great. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Mm hmm. 
it is wonderful. Um, I still think the stormtrooper snow troopers are the best outfits. The other ones possibly could be the scout troopers, but the snow troopers I think have the best stormtrooper outfits out of all of them. Yeah, they're. It, I think part of the reason I like that too is just because they're out, they're like it was the snow. It's the snow part of it. You, you put <laughs> snow in anything. A snow speeder is cooler than a, a sand speeder. speeder. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um. All right. Anything else you want to touch on in Hoth? I really have a couple questions when Luke gets to. I just uh, like this Jagobah, this notion that I, the Empire is like this inexorable wave that's advancing towards them. Right. The the wall of the ATATs marching towards them. The yeah. ATSTs swarming around them. They have to like they're running. It's they're basically like scuttling, scampering away, trying to get trying to escape. Like it really reinforces this imbalance of power in the struggle, and creates the just those ATATs coming across that horizon through yeah. those binoculars that's just like oh yep. man it really yep. it really escalates the scale of the struggle for me oh it does and just the it's just the impending doom of of the they're always after you like yep. you can't run away from them and yep. it's just always going to be there yeah um you know yeah it's 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 wonderful there is a total of 5 ATATs and, you know, <laughs> when, when you said binoculars right there, I'm rewatching the movie. That mm. was the exact scene that came up. That's when you said so binoculars, funny. he pulled up the binoculars and showed the ATATs. It so was funny. beautiful. Um, I, yeah. And here we see our heroes get split up, right? You know, and this is really the breaking that happens where Luke has to go and train and he needs to become something greater in order to really complete the story and, and do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um and then we see Han, Leia, and Chewbacca and C-3PO. They all go off and try to outrun the, the Empire, which is really good. I love that scene where they're going through the asteroid field. You can clearly see that Han has done that before. Mm-hmm. He knows that Imperial, like, Empire is not going to go through the asteroid field with them. Um, it, but I do have a couple of questions. How did that worm live in space? And why are there Minox? And where do those Minox come from? Like... Do, do, do these the creatures spontaneously evolve inside of this worm's stomach? And it's like, or is it like a symbiotic relationship where the the Minox eat like the algae that grows in the stomach? So like, or like they give the bacteria, you know how those work with some creatures? That's kind of what I feel like it is. But like, still, where do Minox come from? And why are they on this asteroid in the middle of space? Did this <laughs> astro- was, this, was this part of, do you think there's a hollow earth theory and this asteroid was part of Alderaan? And like... It's now like there was a worm living inside of Alderaan. <laughs> that's what I'm going to believe. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Um, I think I think that the, the worm obviously doesn't breathe oxygen. The worm feeds on the soil. So they weren't in any real danger aside from being in it. Right. The tunnels it had dug were it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. I think it's like a burrow or I think it's just like a herbivore or whatever. Um, and I think the Minox actually um, were drawn by the fleet. So the fleet was there for a while when the battle was happening. I think either they mm-hmm. stowed away with the fleet or they were drawn to the fleet because they feed on the power in the ships, right? And that's a very, like, I imagine they have senses attuned to that sort of thing. And so I imagine they came with the fleet or followed the fleet or were, like, on yep. on the, the ships or something and then followed the ship into the worm's belly. Yep, I believe that. Absolutely, actually. And... um what I was just thinking when you're talking about this, what a cool location for a secret base. Like, there's an asteroid field next to it too, so there's probably not all that accessible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I like that. Okay. Luke goes to Yoda. These are all my questions. This is where I have all the... Because when we start getting really into the Force now, when Luke decides to go to Dagobah. So, what do you think about how they introduced Yoda versus where we see them and, like, that transition from seeing Yoda and, like, experiencing that and, like, what he's supposed to be to the immediate cut to like he gets serious when like he needs to be i i love because i feel like yoda's testing luke the whole time like he knows what luke is and so when luke shows up on the planet yoda's like all right he's finally here let's go see like so he like pokes and prods at him and like decides to do all the things that luke would find really annoying to yep. see like how patient he's going to be yep i absolutely agree and i think i think yeah the first test is a test of patience and luke fails spectacularly so hard yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then he gets to a point where he's he starts talking to ben instead of talking to luke and, and this is where i want to get into a little bit of the new hope too where he's too old you know yo like so yoda used that line he's too old to train and i want to dive into that a little bit do you think ben knew this and that's why there's a couple looks that ben gives when said like when he says he's ready for the force like when Luke says that in A New Hope, that just make me feel like Ben knows that Luke is too old at this point and he's not sure how this training is really going to go. What's the question? <laughs> Sorry, there was a lot. You had a lot of thoughts there. Gosh, I, there I, were I a lot of thoughts there. I don't there. remember the question specifically. Do you think Ben knew that Luke was too old at the time in A New Hope? Yes, absolutely. Do you think, and you like, that's part of the reason like why he was so hesitant about like okay you want to be a jedi now i I don't think i I don't think when he agreed to let luke come with him that he was convinced he was going to let him train in the ways of the jedi i think that was later i think his initial agreement was just can i come in space and i think ben had to sit with that and decide with that and i think i think there was a hope that maybe he might but i don't think i think a lot of the initial interactions they had and a lot of the initial efforts they made to show that that hesitance on Ben's part wasn't about Luke being young enough to train. I think it was about Luke being qualified at all. Because I think until until like a while into it, maybe even when he sacrifices himself, Ben isn't sure. I think Ben is on the fence about Luke until yeah until he like has that moment of clarity and he looks over and he sees him and he's like, okay, all right, I'll I'll give it a shot. You know, because because he's fighting Vader and he's like, this is a, such an overwhelming power. This is such evil. How are we going to beat this? And then he looks over and he sees Luke right there. And he's like, oh, that's how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has to yeah. just kind of like put his faith not only in Luke, but in himself and in the force and in Yoda and, in, you know, all these other factors. Yeah. So do you do you think Yoda is 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 afraid that he's like he's just not going to be able to train Luke? Like, do you think there's any there from Yoda where he's. Do you think Yoda's doubting himself in his abilities or really in Luke's ability to stick with the training? Because Luke does look forward. He doesn't really pay attention to what's going on and focusing on the training at hand. I think it's both. I think I think it's more doubting Luke. Um, I think Yoda has a lot of belief in himself, but I think a big part of it is just his concern that, you know, that that, that what, what happened before will happen again, that, like... He's he, he's just like so defeated at this point, right? Because he's on his own in the middle of nowhere, and it's like, it's really hard. And so getting getting around that, um, getting around that concept is like, because he, he's wrestling two things. He's 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 
he's wrestling his own frustration about the past. I don't think it's self-doubt so much as it is just like fear almost. Like just like concern, right? For for his own past. And I think it's um a a wariness to allow himself to hope. Right? I think he's just like he's go because he's go he goes down the laundry list, right? Like he's impatient, he's not ready, he looks too mm-hmm. forward, he's too old. He is rationalizing every way he can think of in his own mind right. to right. to not do this. And I think a lot of it is because he doesn't want to allow himself to hope anymore because he's spent so mm-hmm. long without it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been revealed. Can we talk about the ending real quick? Because I want to talk about the ending in relation to Yoda. Training sure. Because I think that needs to be talked about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In case you didn't know, you sh- you know, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, everybody. We've now came to the conclusion, I believe almost for certainty, I'm 60% sure that I'm 90% sure that Luke is uh, related to Darth Vader. <laughs> so, so do you think that like... So Yoda and Ben obviously know this at this point, you know, they, they kind of knew. I mean, they we, we want to presuppose they knew it in the, A New Hope as well, but they know. So do you think part of the fear that Yoda has is directly related to him being afraid that Luke is going to turn out to be like Anakin? Like, do, do you see that in him or do you think that he's afraid to train him for different reasons? Like, OK, he's not necessarily like Anakin in certain ways, but he still has this laundry list of problems that I'm not sure I'm ready to to tackle yet myself. Interesting. I'm, and then he immediately goes on to tell you, Luke, that like I've been training Jedi for 800 years. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, th- I I just sorry. Go. I was just going to say, I don't I don't think it's necessarily fear about that. I don't think he's wrapped up in the maybes. I think he's wrapped up in the now. Right. I think that's because that's what he's arguing that Luke needs to be doing is paying better attention to the now. And so while he may not be thrilled about the idea of, you know, what happened in the past coming back around, I think this concept that um, that it could happen again is not the issue. I think his, this con again, it's like it's like we we're talking about earlier with Obi-Wan where it's like he it's not that he doesn't believe it's that he's not even sure this will work, right? It's it's yeah. not that he, he he hasn't thought that far down the line yet. I mean, obviously he's Yoda. Of course he has. That's not the issue. The issue is just like, does, does it even get to that point? And I don't think Yoda gets to that point with Luke for a long time until after his confrontation with Vader. I think, I think yeah. when he first sends him in there, he's like, I'm not sure about this kid until he sends him in there. And then he's like, "Go, go face your darkness and see what you can come up, see what comes of it." And it's like, yeah. So, I, that's why I asked too, because so let's talk about the cave because I'm still confused about what really the cave means and, and the whole scene behind it. So Yoda gives him the instructions of you, you know, you're only gonna what's in the cave, you know, only what you take with you, mm-hmm. right? So Luke's taking that his emotional burdens into the cave with him, like that's what Yoda is trying to tell him, like. You're going to face your fears in this cave, and those fears are what you're taking with you. Yeah. Um, but Luke takes his weapons anyways, and you said, "Good job." You know, like when we were doing the commentary, like, I think yeah, that's funny. Yeah. T- I like that a lot. And and so like, it, I, why do you like that so much with Luke? Because in my because like, it's, he's independent. Like he's he 
he knows it's this sense of like right and wrong that's internal for him. And it's like, I am, I am not sure about any of this. He's like, but I know for a fact that like, this is what needs to happen. Right. And I, I just love that about him is that he's like, he's got this component of just like believing in himself that I think is really powerful. And, and like, not just taking other people at their word. And he did it with Han too. Right. Where it's just like, I don't believe you necessarily. So I don't necessarily mm-hmm. trust that you have my best interest or the world's best interest at heart. Yeah. And so he's like, but he believes in himself. And that's really important when you're talking about these components of like, can, can he overcome the fear? Can he overcome the anger? Right. And I think that through line of self-belief that you see in him is a lot of what enables him to overcome those hurdles, to be bigger than those hurdles. Yeah. Um, I agree. I never thought about it that way, but um, yeah, because I've always thought I've always uh, maybe it's just a personal like what I would have done in Luke's situation where I would have been like, oh, you're my teacher. You're my like supposed to be this all knowing person. Yeah. Here you go. Right. I won't take my weapons. And if you tell me it's okay not to go in. Right. Um, so what is the cave though? I'm still like, I'm not necessarily. So here's my idea of what the cave scene is. Cause it's, I always kind of assumed Luke is obviously terrified of, you know, or afraid of Darth Vader. Cause he saw him and he hates Vader. Cause he saw him strike down his mentor, essentially Ben, you know, his person who sent him out on this journey. Mm-hmm. And but when he cuts open the cuts off Vader's head, it, it it shows him. So is his fear that he's going to fall and turn into the dark side? Is his fear that he's like going to be his own worst enemy? Like where is where do you think his fear is that that we like that's the the vision that that comes to him and that's what happens to him in the cave? I th- so for me, the cave is really like, it's really about your own, your own demons, right? The cave is, the cave is your shadows, your evil, right? What you take with you. And so that is, that is Yoda's test to see if the darkness in this kid will beat him. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. And yeah, that's, that looks, that's good. That's what it is. It's a microcosmic mm-hmm. variation of the duel that you see happen later where it's like, can, can he win? Can he beat this, you know, this. Yeah. So do you think Yoda evil? knows Luke is going to go at this point? And so he like sends him into the cave to figure out if he's going to make it back to his training after he like tackles Vader at the end. Do I think Yoda, Yoda knows? Do you think Yoda knows Luke is going to leave his training and go to go to Bespin? No. And that's part of why he sends no, him not. in there to kind of test him? Nope, I do not. I think, I think Yoda is trying to push Luke as hard as he can with as little time as he has. And I think... I think it's not a lot of time. And so I think he, he... Like, that's why he goes ahead and shows him the power of the Force. I think that's why he goes ahead and sends him into the cave so quickly. I think he accelerates his plans a lot because he he anticipates the sort of like future-orientedness of this kid, right? And I think that is a big component of 
him in general is just like he is he is doing what he has to do basically yeah which is why he had to show luke when he was raising the x-wing there yeah like, he had to show luke that it could be done yep because luke needed to see something that he didn't believe in in order to like really understand what the force can do yeah which i think plays back into i was thinking about this while we were watching the movie i think it plays back into um why people f- like yoda and ben are both like well maybe he's too old to do this do you think that kind of ties back into like the belief of somebody younger that they can just do anything? You know, what do you they think? Can accomplish anything? I've just answered like, like five questions in a row. Why don't you answer some questions? <laughs> but I, I guess I'm asking you this because this is what I think. So I want to know your thoughts uh-huh. on it as well. But I think like the reason that he's too old is because when you get kids when they're younger, their minds are more impressionable for one. But also, I think they have a sense of belief that that they can do this and they can do something like if you can show them that they like they can lift this one thing that like oh i can do that you mm-hmm. know and so i think that's why part of why you want to get kids when they're so young when they're jedi is not necessarily because they can't learn the techniques but because they're not in their own way of allowing themselves to fully realize what the force is and what it's capable of i like I think that that is part of the reason why like they don't want to train people when they're older. Yeah, I agree. I think there's that combination of like teachability and belief in things bigger than themselves, right? Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a very like sports oriented concept <laughs> because you want to get kids with like terrible form for basketball when they're younger because mm-hmm. when you get somebody who's like 16, 17 and they've been shooting the same way their whole life, it's, it's very hard to difficult to change that. Yeah. It's very easy to untrain a third grader to like shoot better, you know? And so that's that's just getting themselves out of their own way, I think, is part of why they want to train them so young. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. So another thing too that I was looking at, and this the idea between which feelings are right. Because I feel like you you see both the Jedi and the Sith. Or the dark side at this point. Really telling them to give in to their feelings, but not. But the different feelings, because like in A New Hope, Ben says, use your feelings. Like Luke, trust in the force. Mm -hmm. But Yoda's like, don't give in to fear, anger or hate. And that's dividing line. And I always thought that was a really interesting concept with the Jedi that, you know, you want to trust in your feelings. You want to do this, but you have to really understand yourself so much that you you know when you recognize you're going down a path of hate and fear and anger and really all of that it leads to a dark path i really like that part of the jedi it's like it kind of makes sense to you those two pieces of it yeah between like the feelings yeah definitely and i think when you're talking about something as fundamental as the force it's it's natural right because i mean it's like the binding life force of everything right it's not just people it's it's creation Right. Yoda talks about it's it's mm-hmm. the connection between the 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 ground and even the plane. Right. The X-Wing. So it's like it's in friggin everything. And mm-hmm. I think that is really. Human. Right. I think it's like this notion of like this fear and the being torn and, you know, ambivalence and angst and anxiety and directionlessness and all those things are just like extensions of human experience without a supernatural force shaping the world. 
right? So when you when you talk about one that does, it's like, of course, of course, it is also that much more affected by people and their stuff, right? Their baggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Yoda does a great job in this expanding the force off of what Ben has talked about. Because Ben mostly talked about the force being something that binds all living things together. And Yoda kind of expands that. It's like, nope, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Like, feel it. Can you, like, just... It's pulsating between everything and not just so like we can lift X-Wings. We can do all the stuff. We don't have to. It's not just living things. And I really, really like that aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, a lot. So Luke goes on and he he has his vision of of his friends. Were they did were they dying when he had the vision or were they just in pain? I think they were just in pain when he had his vision. Correct. Of, of Han and Leia, and he goes off and saves them. And so Ben and Yoda both tell him not to, but he goes off and saves them and succeeds. So who is right in that situation? Both? I've, Luke? I think Ben, Yoda? I think Luke was, honestly. Okay. And I think I think that's kind of the point. I think that's why... I agree. That's why they show this, is because... They need us to see that Luke, in his fear, right? They talk about fear being a potent tool, but it's like, it's also what motivates him to want to be there for his friends. He fears for his friends and it motivates him to be selfless, right? Because he's not going there worrying about getting caught out. He's not going there worrying about dying. He's going there worrying about his friends. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. that's what you need to be a a successful Jedi. Yeah, I, I honestly think this is a dividing line and a break between um, like old school Jedi versus what Luke is now becoming mm-hmm. and, and trying to break, you know, where it's, you know, Luke understands, I think he understands like it's it's not just about the force, it's about what I can do with the force to affect the people that are around me. Yep. You know, like if I learn this and stay with you and my friends die, what is me learning this for? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, I, I totally agree. And I really like that. And I, I think that having both Ben and Yoda on the opposite side really shows the break between, okay, it, it really progresses Luke forward in a way of showing his abilities and kind of his latent natural powers that he has. Mm-hmm. Um that are there. And I, I really like that. So I know, I think you're right. I think he's absolutely right. Going to, to Bespin to save, to save everybody, which leads us to Bespin, the most magical clean place in the world. It oh looks like God. somebody like, come on. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It is. It's it, magnificent. It's, it's the difference between you're getting introduced to, to, so you don't really know what Bespin is, right? You get to see some cityscapes of it and like fly through the clouds, which are beautiful shots. I love them flying through the cloud city. Yes, it's so magical. And like for a lot of mm-hmm. us, that was our first exposure to this concept of like cloud cities and like, like, mm-hmm. and, and they do such a good job of compounding the magicalness of this other world, right? Because this, this beauty and this wonder is like reinforced rather than um, undermined. When you talk about mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. transition from the dirtier, strange worlds of the first movie to these more. Like they, it's the next step up, right? Yeah, it is literally, <laughs> and also figuratively. Mm-hmm. And no, I it love is. that about it. Yeah, and you're going immediately to from like Dagobah, 
and then the like the difference between the clean lines and everything in Bespin to like what's going on in Dagobah and, and that change, and especially like they're in this hoth and now they're like being treated like these guests of honor and all of this. Um, I really, I really love it. But something that really like sticks out to me is is the difference too between what Bespin is and what Lando is, and mm-hmm. I really like that aspect to it where. They're talking to you the entire time leading up to Bespin. You shouldn't trust Lando. Don't trust Lando. Please, don't trust Lando. Mm -hmm. And then later on the film, it shows you why you should not trust Lando. And he does, like, eventually redeem himself. But the fact that, like, they're trying to teach you that this this person is not... It's not a good person. He's not really to be trustworthy Mm -hmm. at all. And... And then you have him running a station that looks like it does and how like beautiful it is. And I just think that there's a little there's just something there that I really like. No, and, absolutely. And enjoy about that. Um, I, I still can't figure out what they were doing to Han. Like, were they burning his chest? Were they electrocuting him? Like, oh, in the ever, torture scene. In the torture scene. Yeah. yeah, I can't really figure out. I never really understood what was going on with Han there. Um I guess he's in Bespin now, so Han. I wasn't figuring out what was going on with Han uh, d- during that time. Because like, doesn't it show it? It looks like it's just a, like, a couple of spark plugs. Like, mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, I don't know. It, well, I, there's I like this, this weird seat thing that he's being forced forward on. And there's like this metal like tablet sort of looking thing in front of him that's crackling a little bit also. And it's like, it's weird, man. <laughs> it's weird. There's yeah. a lot going on. Yeah, there is. And I... <laughs> C three people throughout this whole fake sequence is just great. I was talking about the line earlier where he's he's talking about not being ready to die when he's when Han's about ready to get frozen in carbonite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though C three people has already died, like <laughs> he knows what that. Ex- Do you think there was any sort of experience for him, or was just a shut off versus a shut on? And like he doesn't realize he's already died once, right? Like, like, like uh, he also gets turned off in this movie. Like, does he just th- does it blank out? That's that kind it? of what do, I've do assumed. Androids? That's kind of what I've always assumed is that it's just like, like you blink, like when you go to sleep, right? It's just like you're 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 there, and then you're there, and the middle part is like nothing. <laughs> I don't remember a bit of it. So that's always yeah, been my assumption I, with robots. With the I think so, droids too. specifically. Yeah, I I agree. Which would make sense of him why he had already passed away. You know, he'd already been destroyed and put back together, and he didn't realize that it happened. Mm. So like the concept of him dying is just a concept. Like right, he's never gonna actually experience right. that. Which I think is just so on point for C three PO trying to be human. Yes. he's the yes. data character exactly. You know exactly, yeah. and even and even because like death is like something that only exists to humanity, right? So. It, mm-hmm. It's this thing that he can't have access to, which I, I think is really cool. I think you're totally right. That's a great, that's a yeah. great component of it. Yeah, I love that. Oh man, this is like the greatest lightsaber fight I think in the entire saga. It's a good it's one. My favorite. It's one. definitely a good it's, one. I like it a lot. It's my favorite one. But right before that lightsaber fight happens, Han and uh, Leia and all these folks. You get to see Boba Fett again, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And you finally get to see how powerful Darth Vader is and really get an aspect of him. And you mentioned something we were doing in the commentary, and I really liked that, where the previous scene was the cave scene. You weren't really sure, 
or you know a few scenes earlier was the cave scene and you he wasn't real so when you see Darth Vader for the first time and best especially in such an unexpected place where like it's so exactly. clean and tidy and like Lando is in the middle of like a speech like he's sitting there like monologuing about you know and it's great and let's have a drink and we'll catch up and we'll plan our next move and what it's just such a, a it's such a, a sucker punch it's an absolute sucker no, punch no it is yeah, and to know that Lando's in on it the whole time too, and he's just like trying to play along, and and yeah, it's 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 great. They do such a good job with it, and it's that sense of dread and doom of like, oh shoot, like because uh, we don't know that Luke's gonna go and save them mm-hmm. yet, you know, like like I still like watching that for the first time. You're like, oh, they're gonna cop of the Empire, and like, that, like let's see what happens with them. You yeah. don't really know. Um, I do have to shout out a few times to our favorite bounty hunters, <laughs> Boba Fett. Yes. Obviously. That whole lineup of bounty uh, hunters there in the Star Destroyer is just so cool. And then we have Bosk. Yep. Who's amazing. And then we have a T-11 droid. And I, you know, I don't know if it's T-88, T-11, I'm, but it, it is a T-droid that um, those are bounty hunter droids. And those are so cool because they come back in Knights of the Republic and it comes back in the Mandalorian, which is just awesome. I love that aspect of mm-hmm. it, um, that, that, they, that there are droids that you send out there. Because, I mean, honestly, if you're doing bounty hunting, like what, like a droid would be perfect for it. Yeah. You know, like they don't have feelings. They're just going to do their job and go. Yep. It's, it's wonderful. Unless you're C-3PO. He has feelings and he can definitely feel pain. You know, <laughs> as 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 we learned when he was running into the Millennium Falcon, getting <laughs> his head hit. Yeah, that's that's so funny that they're like, for as thoughtful as like they are about so much of this world, there's little inconsistencies that you see still, and it's like, you see shows like we're here like what forty years later, and shows will still consistently make mistakes like that. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not at all beyond the realm of possibility that that this could happen right like this still happens so it's hard yeah it's definitely not worth resenting them for because everybody still makes these mistakes like it's of course not it's a fundamental component of like worlds this big is that you're going to get those little details that never quite add up yeah there were a few i i'm sad that i actually didn't write any of our uh little details down um oh we missed this whole aspect of Dagobah. It's because I was writing it down. And, you know, I told you we're going to be jumping around a little bit today. But I know you noticed it. But, folks, when you were watching the movie, did you notice the lighting change at the end of when Luke is going off of Dagobah? And so when Luke is going off, mm-hmm. it's light. And then it when he leaves, it moves to dark. When they're talking about, like, Ben's talking like, Luke, it's over. This is our only hope. And then Yoda pops up and says, no, there is another. And it just shows a little bit of light on his face. But the light and fades I, on Ben first. Ben says there's – and Ben fades into darkness and doesn't come back first. Right. And Ben, mm-hmm. like, eclipses the scene and Yoda's left standing there by himself to say this. Yes. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. I love it so much because it immediately sets you in the stage of, oh, there's – like, wait. What? There's more Jedi out yeah. there? Like – what happens like this is crazy and 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 you see a little bit of that I, I like i think we can talk about that like you see a touch of it at the very end of the film in the millennium falcon when luke and leia talk to each other 
And so, is that the connected dot? Who's the other person? I mean, okay, this is a hard question to answer right now, but mm-hmm. imagining we've just seen The Empire Strikes Back, are they laying that Leia's the other person? It's like, do you think that's what it is, or do you think that was just a way for them to come back I to don't Luke? think I know for certain enough yet to feel confident saying it is. I don't think they've given us enough yeah. information. I think it was sort of the okay. thing that people would talk about coming out of the theater and like I talk agree. about for years. And mm-hmm. I do not think you're supposed to know, and I think that's on purpose. And I think, I think that's I absolutely too. fine. I think it's really, um, it's meant it's meant to still be vague enough that you can't form any solid conclusions yet. So I'm going to stick okay. by that for now. No, I, I'm I'm with you too, and I think that's why it's put there. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's I guess definitely I a teaser. I'm, yeah, I think so. And it's, it is a wonderful teaser because I was just talking to Max about this. Like, could you imagine seeing this for the first time, like in the theaters and they leave you with yeah. like, there's another person out there. And then they're teasing you at the end, like the whole time. Like, who is this other person who's who's like the other hope, yeah. you know, like if Luke doesn't make it, are we going to see that person? And yeah, I never, ever noticed the lighting in that. It's 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 absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Best lightsaber fight in star wars history it's obviously not the flashiest and not like but i think it has such a like it sets the stone like the tone immediately with the colors they're being dark and the orange and like where they're set and the black the fact that like vader is clearly just playing with him the whole time Mm -hmm. trying to get him into that and when like you said when vader finally got hit he's like okay like and immediately he cut off luke's hand like the next thing he did is like, okay, you're going to be that like, like that. Okay. I'm just going to, I think what this lightsaber fight does for me is that it shows what Luke may be able to become if he completes all of his training. Like clearly he's not ready yet, yeah. but he's not, he doesn't lose, you know, like Vader's not trying to kill him, but he also doesn't accomplish what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so Luke has some power, some ability there, something that moves him forward. And like you said, that belief in himself, like Luke would rather fall to his death, not knowing what was going to happen, than take a hand from the, you know, from the Empire. You know, no pun intended. But yeah, like he he would much rather do that. I think that really speaks to Luke's character. And like you talked about him believing in himself Mm -hmm. and him having that sense of like right and wrong. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think he has that sense of right and wrong that sometimes I, I think a lot of times he's our our, our, our moral compass in, in these films. A lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's he's his own moral compass, too, which I think obviously can be very dangerous when you talk about like, you know, characters and stuff. But I think it's also very like in his case, it's it's a benefit. Like, I think in a lot of characters, it could also be like a drawback, you know, but I think for him, it's very much a benefit. Yeah. Um, Do you think Luke uses the force to be sucked through that little hole? Because I have questioned for my entire life when he falls, how he gets sucked into that hole. And somebody mentioned to me the other like a year ago i was like oh i just always assumed luke used the force to kind of move him way to like move himself towards that hole oh no i assumed those were um exhaust vents i assumed those were like trash vents exhaust vents because it wouldn't be a trash vent because you wouldn't have an antenna right by the trash dump right but i think they're sort of like 
air vents of sorts, like ducts. Yes. So I always assumed that he got sucked out because he just moved so directly that way. But I, I could totally see that he used the force to do that. And that makes that I buy that. Like if you tried to tell me, I that, buy that I, I buy either. And I don't think I, I, I necessarily need it to be one or the other more. Mm-hmm. I think if you choose to look at it as he used the force, I think it's a sign of his growing power that even in the midst of all this pain and trauma, he still has a mastery over it to the level that he can like command that much mm-hmm. sort of like effectiveness over his own reality. Right. Um, and if you right. just assume that he got sucked out, then he is a lucky bastard. <laughs> so I guess right. given Which, the two narratives, I much prefer to think that he used the force. Uh, yeah, I never, ever thought about it until my friend mentioned it to me like a year ago. I was like, whoa, I never I always, always assumed the way you did that he just got sucked out. And it was some sort of air vent. I kind of assumed it was a trash vent. But like you said, why would you put a trash vent above like a planet for one that may like fall and hit somebody? Yeah. And two, like, right, there wouldn't be an antenna there. Like, I'm assuming that's cooling something off for sure. Um, yeah, he's on Bestman, right? Yeah, I always for, during that fight scene, I for some reason I was keeping on, kept on thinking they were in a Star Destroyer mm-hmm. or like the Death Star because it looks very similar. I was like, no, wait, these guys are on Bestman. I can't keep <laughs> forgetting. They're, I mean, on, they're on the Cloud City of Bestman. They're not even in Bestman. Bestman's the planet, you yep. know. And so, anyways, yeah, that that was really kind of. That was my thought. And I think believing that he uses the force um, actually lends me to accept a scene in one of the later films more readily. So we'll, we'll get to there and I'll bring that back up um, and we'll, we'll talk about them. But any any final thoughts on this? Han is going out to, to see Jabba with Carbonite. Boba Fett has him. Luke just got his hand cut off. Like It's just what's going to yeah, happen. It's, it's like, a lot. But it's it's all good stuff. Like, and it's it's it just is. such a nice follow up, right? It's it does not disappoint, and I think that's what continues to shock me about it. Even after all this time, to like watch this one next and say, "Whoa!" They just they take it to the next level, and yeah. I think that's truly incredible. No, I do too, and I, I think it just man. I had a thought, and I started to listen to you. But it will come back I believe to me. You. I, I, I know it will. If I just keep talking long enough, <laughs> the words will come out in the way I want them to. And I feel like that will be the case. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it does. It, it's just it, it does what movies and stories like. For me, I think that a lot of times when you're trying to build a trilogy or a series of things, um, people get caught up in leaving folks with cliffhangers. But I thought they did a great job of leaving them with enough nuggets to think about what's going to happen in the next film, but told a complete story inside of this one. But we know there's like another chapter coming, but this one's complete. And I think that's why it strikes such a good chord with me is because I don't feel like I'm watching the middle of a trilogy. I feel like I'm watching a movie that there's more to be told, you know, it's a weird way of looking at it because they're generally the same thing, but I feel like there's, there is a bit of a difference there um, to, to way there's to, to the way those are going. Like it's, it's, I could watch empire and not watch return of the Jedi and be pretty happy mm-hmm. with it. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to see where George Lucas goes next with this. Agreed. Like it's, you Agreed. know, this is very exciting. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining yeah. me. We had a great time. 
And we're going to do some of our uh, socials because we didn't do it last week. Excellent. Um, I can be found at Damp Mango, D-A-M-P-3-D Mango, at Twitter, Instagram, all the places. You can email us at um, podcast at infinitepulp.com. I am Max Baron Reed on all the stuff. Max Reed on stuff, too. Um, hit me up. I'm always happy to hear from you. And... Uh, we, we mentioned we were going to at the end of last we episode are. we're going to do the rankings. Are we still doing that? Okay, I just don't want to. I, yeah, I don't want to like lose track of that because that's that's nope. important. As I was doing my uh, outro, I was like, we need to do the rankings. Okay. Actually, I am just finding the rankings right now. Okay, here we go. Okay, let's rank the movies. So, do you think this movie is better than A New Hope? Yes. Yes, I do. Empire Strikes Back. So now we have Empire Strikes Back number one, A New Hope number two. In our rankings, do you think the opening crawl in this movie is better than A New Hope's? Mm. I think I'm, it's more tense. I think... I do too. I think it's, say yes. I, I almost want to say yes too. I think it serves the purpose that it's meant to serve more effectively. I I agree. I, I think so. I also think it's one of the like better written ones too. Like I think it's written pretty well. Um, it really captures exactly what we need to know, and like it puts you in the film right away. Mm-hmm. Like the opening crawl is not an epilogue; it's like the first like paragraph to chapter one. Yes. Like, and that's why there's those ellipses at the end instead of a period. And I really like that aspect. Absolutely, of it. I totally agree. Um, so, do you think? This lightsaber fight was better than the lightsaber fight from A New Hope. So I'm going to say yes, but I don't like it as much because that shock factor, that like first time, Mm -hmm. because like Mm -hmm. Ben and Vader is like the first lightsaber fight, right? And you you just can't, you can't beat that for me. Like that, that, that just jaw-dropping shock value newness excitement of that moment is permanent yeah i i like everything surrounding this lightsaber fight so much mm-hmm. that like the cap that you get from him like deciding to leave like his jedi training right. to go fight the most powerful jedi in the galaxy yeah. you know like to to getting his hand cut off and finding out like he's your father mm-hmm. you know like just everything about that is like yeah, it's, it's intense. And I think it's, it's important to recognize, yeah. too, that it's like it's not just a lightsaber fight. Like the first one is the first one is just the fight. This is much more about the characters and the relationships yes. and all of the things that tie right. into it. Yep, And that's why it's my favorite. Like I'm, it, it, this is my number one. And so I'm excited when we get to some other films um, and we start ranking yeah. those. I'm very excited, actually. Agreed. Because even just the next film, I'm actually thinking about, like, is that better lightsaber fight than this one? <laughs> I don't know, actually. This is going to be interesting. Like I said, my favorite may not be the one that I assume that my favorite's not going to be, like, our tops on a lot of these, you mm-hmm. know? Empire Strike Back is going to be a real difficult one to bump off of that number one spot in the movies. I'm not sure we're going to be able to ever have that one move. That one may stay there forever, but we'll see. We'll just have to see and, and go with Good. it. But thank you all so much for joining us this is a lot of fun i love doing this kind of stuff and so i appreciate you all being here and and, and hopefully you enjoy some of it and hopefully maybe you we can don't bring... enjoy it at all 
we, we can bring some sort of enjoyment. No, some sort of like thoughts about the film that make you think about it just a little bit more, you know, because that's the, what the world needs is more fans thinking about Star Wars. So agreed. I'm going to leave you with that. Max, any final words? Thanks for joining us on this one. Y'all will see you for the next one. The culmination of the first trilogy. I'm really excited. Me too. Everyone have a good Bye. night.